Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, and real conversations about change, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources at HealingWays. That's HealingWaze.com. Hey there, I'm back. So sorry to leave you all hanging last week. As you know, or may know, that I am recovering from basically a nervous breakdown. So some days are really good and feel quote unquote normal. And other days really bad. And I have a lot of in between days. But part of my self care is not pushing myself when I just can't which is something that I used to do and probably led to the nervous breakdown. (laughs) And also just not beating myself up when I don't do the things. So thank you. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me during this time of not only healing myself, but also reinventing myself. My guest today, Allison Penna, calls herself the bad widow. And in our conversation filled with laughter and sadness, but also lots of joy, and it ends in the way that I love best, a happy ending. (laughs) Allison dropped tons of wisdom about grief, healing, self-care, resilience, and even dating. She even shares an original poem she wrote about her experience with online dating. And as someone who did my time with the whole internet dating thing a while ago, it was 2008 is when I finally met the one, my one, I can definitely relate. And I know that some of you listening can as well. Allison says that the time from her husband's cancer diagnosis through the progression of his illness, which ended in his death, was the most heartbreaking and transformational time of her life. And right now, many of us are going through our own heartbreaking and hopefully transformational times of our lives. We may not all be dealing with the death of a loved one, but there's a collective grief running rampant right now. Can you feel it? I bet you can. And because of that, I think you're going to get a ton of value from this episode. I know I did. Her three-step approach to reclaiming your life after loss is straightforward and very uncomplicated. I highly recommend giving it a try when you're ready. And stick around all the way to the end to hear about Allison's first book, which should be coming out next month in September. Be safe out there, friends, and take care. Um, I do like to start off with some fun kind of icebreaker questions, though. I just met you. It's the first time I get to see your face in real life. So where are you in the world right now? I am in New York City. Right in New York City. Okay. I have lived here off and on since I was five. Where are some of the other places you've lived? I lived in um, below San Francisco at one point in a place called El Granada. Okay. The bus went through twice a day. I had to learn to drive. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you came from um, New York. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my license when I turned 25. Wow. I mean, I, so hear I know that. that's unusual. Well, it's not unusual for New York is what I've heard. It is not unusual at all for New York. Yeah. And then I lived um, in Pacific Palisades and I lived in um, 
uh, Long Beach in California. Mm -hmm. So that was my California stint. And then I came back to New York because this is my town. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that, you know, if you love it, it's hard to leave and you usually end up coming back and that's what you've done. I'm on the West Coast myself and I'm in uh, the Portland, Oregon area, but I'm quite familiar with California. It's, you know, our neighbor. So Uh, I have not gone to New York yet, though. I definitely will do that someday. Are you planning on taking any vacations this year? (laughs) Uh, Going to Maine. Okay. So going to Maine the end of August, beginning of September. Okay. Really excited about that because last year we didn't get to go. Mm-hmm. And it's my summer thing. I am not a hot weather person. Makes so, me really grumpy. <laughs> well, hence the reason you left California. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations that you get to travel again. Yay! <laughs> um, so I know that you're quite creative, and I'm going to totally put you on the spot here, and you you are totally allowed to refuse. I hear that you write poetry, you do open mic singing, poetry, prose. Yep. Reading a short poem? Uh, I can do that. You'll have to give me a minute to go grab yep. one. So um, this is a poem called Desires Clear as Mud. And it's something that I wrote when I decided that I was willing to consider opening up to love again. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. Most terrifying thing I did. And so I got on Bumble, which is a dating app. Sort of swiping right, swiping left. Really confusing. Mm -hmm. So this is Desires Clear as Mud. Clear as mud, what I want, what you want, who I am. Settled, steeped, stuck in the mud. Your courting words confuse me, beautiful, gorgeous, honey, and offend me, feeling not exactly true. My radar for lies acute, like barnacle tentacles waving, testing the environment, unsure what I feel. You don't know me, but neither do I. Tapping along blindly, testing the edges of my widow's cage. Assumptions, agreements, obligations. Love delighted and bound me to his desire, my desire, our desires, until I no longer know where I start. Autonomy is sweet and bitter. Alone I choose, I alone, from my old and my new longings. No right desires, simply mine. Easier than yes is no. Digging for answers, clear as mud. Negative space reveals my not desires made clear. Like building a sandcastle on the beach. Structural with sand, fluid with seawater. Magic imagined, no two the same. Like me and you. Made and destroyed by the ocean, by a child, wrecked by my grief, dancing in the street, feeling longing and lust, while kisses cause panic attacks, my turned cheek of avoidance, and so it goes. As a clam, mud's a fine place to be, tunneling down to safe, squirting up, I am here, but I am not a clam. I know mud can be shaped into anything. That's pretty cool. And that describes 
especially online dating when you first get into it. <laughs> and we're going to talk yeah. more about that. Yeah, that is that is really cool. I like that a lot. Thank you for reading that. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned Widow in that poem, and we're going to talk about that. That's a big part of your story. In fact, you call yourself the Bad Widow. I do. So tell me about that. So Bad Widow. And it's amazing how much pushback I get on the name. Well, you're nice. I can imagine. Right. You're not actually bad. It means you're a badass, doesn't it? <laughs> and I really mean exactly what I say. I am a bad widow. Because after my husband died, I felt like I was broken and I was treated like I was broken. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered is that people had no idea how to handle me. They had no idea how to support me. Mm-hmm. And as a good widow, I would just have gone along. As a bad widow, what I began to do was blow up these assumptions that made things not work. Because we don't talk about grief. We don't talk about what it's like from what I call inside the raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inside that place where your world has blown up. And you don't know if you'll ever get back on your feet again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's no playbook <laughs> to tell you how to be a good There's widow. no playbook. <laughs> and there's no playbook for, for even who I was. My husband and I were together 25 years. Wow. Yeah. That so it's a long time. That is a long time. So you were together 25 years and then he mm-hmm. gets cancer. Tell me about that part of the journey. He uh, was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer in October of 2015, October 12th. Mm-hmm. You don't forget these things. Mm-mm. It was shocking. I mean, you say cancer and it's a fast trip to despair. If you look up pancreatic cancer, what you learn, Google is not your friend, is you learn that the lifespan, typical lifespan for someone with stage four pancreatic cancer is six weeks to four months. Mm. So from the time he was diagnosed, we knew that our time together was limited. Yeah. And the doctor said, slow down, prepare yourself. And that made no sense to us. None at all. Mm -hmm. Because we thought, okay, if his time here is limited, if our time together is limited, why would we not live full tilt boogie? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I created an environment where he could do what what he loved. And I also started knocking things off my bucket list. Mm. For example, he continued to play tennis. He continued to go out. He was an artist. He left me a thousand paintings. Wow. Is that one behind me? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that. And um, on my bucket list was to speak about my work on a stage Mm -hmm. and to sing in a cabaret, a group cabaret show. This had been on my bucket list 10 years. Wow. So his diagnosis made you also look at your life individually Say, I need to do Yeah, life is short. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, when you're living next to someone going through this, so clear life is short. So if life is short, if you're going to get it wrong, if you might be embarrassed, those things all get a lot less important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yes. And my mother died from pancreatic cancer. And so I know mm. she lived nine months. I didn't know. I think I blocked out a lot of what Google told me <laughs> during that time. But it is Fortunate. a very, yeah, it is a terrible, terrible cancer. And so you and he both, so you started chipping away your own bucket list and he was doing things he loved. So going back to that, like you said, the embarrassment doesn't matter and all that. You said that you learned um, to live fear, fearlessly when he yes. was dying. And so, yeah, keep telling me more about that. So I, um, I spoke on three stages and I sang on four in those 11 months. 11 months. Okay. Wow. And the last time was the Tuesday before the Saturday he died at home in my arms. Oh, just days. Yeah. Was he able to see, see you live at any of those? He saw me live the first set of, of cabaret shows I did. By the second one, he was on oxygen, mm-hmm. and we were not sure that the oxygen would last the length of the show. You know, yeah. So he ushered me out the door, and I left him with my mom, and he had a grand old time with her. <laughs> she thought he'd be exhausted and he was like oh let me tell you about this let me tell you about that <laughs> no don't go yet you haven't heard about this <laughs> it was hilarious oh that is funny it's like you were going through this really big roller coaster i mean watching someone die from cancer is a roller coaster as is but you were like had some really high highs during that 11 months yeah it was one of the most heart breaking and transformational times of my life because, you know, in 25 years, we were married almost 20 years. A lot of it becomes about who's taking out the garbage. Yes. (laughs) Right. Who's making dinner. Who's who's not doing those things. (laughs) And who's not doing those things. And then a little spat about that. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right. Yep. And, and so we were like, in the face of this, recommitted to love. If we had behaved with each other all those 25 years, the way we did those last 11 months, we would have had a very different marriage. Now, I am not saying we did not fight in that time, that it was not brutally hard, but there were also these moments of just transcendent love and joy and forgiveness. Wow. What a a Um, gift. Yeah. I have so much compassion. I can't imagine that happening to me. I mean, I think about it sometimes and it makes me want to cry thinking about that. Um, You said you were a bad widow. (laughs) I'm sure you were dealing with some big time mental health challenges, all the overwhelm. How did you handle that? So I, I got a lot of pushback about him staying home. And he literally, I heard the song, from uh, Ghost on Pandora, the mm-hmm. theme song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's today. Whoa. Yep. And so I was holding him in my arms. His head was on my shoulder. 
and he was asking me questions. You know, what about my studio? What about my mom? What about you? And I'm like, I've got it. I said, in a breath, in a body, you need breath and love. Outside of a body, you just need love. So when you're ready, go out on the love. And that's exactly what he did. Wow. Four breaths in my arms on love. And I was a widow. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what that was. Yeah. That's why you were so bad at it. <laughs> I was so bad at it. So bad at it. Oh, yeah. There are practical things that happen, emotional things that happen, and people have no idea what to do. Because so what winds up happening is they say and do stupid things. Mm-hmm. And as a bad widow, what I started to doing was not just going along, but saying, I can't answer that. What would be better is this. So, for example, I was asked a lot, how are you? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. my thought was, how do you think I am? <laughs> I just lost the man I loved for 25 years. My life blew up. The future I had co-created with him is done. Mm-hmm. I have a studio and an apartment in Manhattan to pay for. How do you think I am? Right. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> and so I started saying what would be better and something I could actually answer is how are you right now? Mm. How are you today? Yeah. And people were so appreciative because they really wanted to support me and they really wanted to help. And they were absolutely clueless about how to do it well. Mm -hmm. I was going through it. I was tripping over breakdowns every Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. I had the attention span of a fruit fly, flagging energy, and memory gaps you could drive a truck through. Mm -hmm. And were you working at this time too? I was unable to work. So I was a consultant who had no energy for people. Yeah. My other qualifications, I was a a medical editor for a number of years and a proofreader. Mm. Inability to focus, (laughs) memory gaps, no energy. Yeah. And then fear, grief, anger, shame. Mm -hmm. First year, wasteland of grief. Second year, zero to rage in five seconds for no reason. Mm-hmm. Both of these really uncomfortable to be in the middle of and really uncomfortable to experience as someone who cares, who's trying to support you. Yeah. And but, then third year, what, what was going on? So the first year, you, you're allowed to grieve for a year if you've been with someone 25 years. <laughs> Is that a rule? <laughs> Somebody write that down. <laughs> it's an unspoken rule. And so at the end of a year, you're meant to be moving on. Oh, of course. The, yeah. So the experience of many, many widows and widowers is at the end of, the, of a year, people vanish in a puff of smoke. Mm. So, and, and at the end of that first year, in the second year, it's finally real. Like that first year is numbness. Mm-hmm despair, numbness. The second year, it's, oh my gosh, this is real. I will never feel the warmth of my husband at my back again. Yeah. Ever. And there are things you can prepare for. You can 
prepare to, you can prepare the finances, you can prepare the wills, you can prepare to declutter, you can discuss plans, you cannot prepare for lying in bed and feeling that warmth in that moment before you wake up and then waking up to the crashing reality that that will never happen again. Yeah. Loneliness and just loss. Yeah, that's loss. Loss, loss, loss. Yeah. Loss, loss, loss. Yeah. yeah. So at a certain point, I wanted a bigger life. Mm-hmm. When you've lost, especially if you lose a spouse, it's really hard to make decisions because you had someone at your back. Yeah. You get really used to like having that partner to make decisions with. I'm sh- I mean, I, I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just ripped to, away. To celebrate or to, to say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Like just somebody there. Yeah. And it's this big hole when they're gone. Mm-hmm. And it made me very indecisive. So I was a person who was very effective, very competent, who suddenly didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And into that void, people poured their good advice. <laughs> I'm sure, yes. <laughs> and what, Which was very often wrong uh-huh. for me. And what I know is that they were doing their best and that they meant well. Mm-hmm. But very often it came across as, you must do this. And it was really there trying to fill this void of my not being able to decide for myself a lot of things. As I started to come out, I developed these frameworks for moving through this for myself. And these are the same things I use with my clients. Mm. Is this the three-step process? Yep. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. So yes, please (laughs) tell. (laughs) So the first thing is you, you, you have to come back to yourself If you look at the way that time moved during the pandemic, it was very wiggly, Mm -hmm. very weird. Wiggly, I like that. Yes. Good description. And when you're grieving a loss, it feels very much like that. So I was sort of prepared for that bizarre Twilight Zone experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first thing is you have to get back to what you do best. When the whole world goes crazy, you have to center with yourself, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's a piece I call unlocking your affluence code that comes before the three steps. Oh, okay. So this is the preliminary, the, the pre, pre-test. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is how do you reconnect with yourself? When you don't recognize yourself, you don't feel like yourself, how do you reconnect with that you are innately a resilient human being. Mm. That's so Whether important. or not you feel like this mm-hmm. right now. Okay. So first step, reconnect so the, with yourself. Right. And it'll be in one of three spaces. There are people who just love work. They feel most themselves when they're at work. Mm-hmm. So that's one place. Another is nurturing one-on-one relationships. That's get with your usually one to three friends and really connect. And then the third is serve a thriving ecosystem, lean into your community. So by doing what you do best, those things that people go, oh, you have a natural gift for that. 
really connect to that because okay. before you can go outward, you have to to feel like yourself again. Mm-hmm. The next thing, which is part of the three, is re-engage. Okay. Get back into the world. Many My of us are re- just starting to do that right now, so this is perfect. This summer is about exactly. re-engaging. Step one. <laughs> okay. Step one, re-engage. Get back okay. into the world. And very much, we've all experienced this loss. We've, we, this last lost year, mm-hmm. I call it. Yeah, totally, yes. There's a collective grief for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. 100%. The okay. New York Times says the grief crisis is coming. I say it's here. It, oh, yeah, I got chills when you said that. I agreed with that. It is here for sure. It is here. Mm-hmm. So then to move through that, this three-step process is really useful. Mm-hmm. So re-engage is how do you, once you realize that you want a bigger life again, you've contracted to heal. And now you're ready to push out. Mm -hmm. So for me, I couldn't do any of the work I was qualified for. And a friend gave me a job in her Halloween pop-up store. Those are so In four-hour shifts. What a fun, just fun job. Yeah, perfect. I needed to reconnect with other people, Mm -hmm. be around other people. My energy was still really variable, but I could hang costumes on a rack. I was capable of that. I needed to start trusting my own competence again. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to do anything I was qualified for. But that was a start to pushing out on my own boundaries, making a bigger life. During the pandemic, my boyfriend and I, New York was hit hard. Mm -hmm. And we lived next to a hospital. Mm -hmm. So I could see 25 ambulances in the ER parking lot, March and April of 2020. Mm -hmm. And the medical examiner is on the same street. So we had those big trucks for the overflow Mm -hmm. on my street. It was real and it was scary. Mm -hmm. That fear closes us down. At a certain point, we wanted a bigger life again. So we started going out. On little adventures. There's a ferry down the street from us. And we got on the ferry because we could have on our masks. We could be outside away from other people. But we needed to see what was real and what was fear Mm -hmm. to make a bigger life for ourselves. And it wasn't just going to happen on its own. Yeah. And in this coming out of the pandemic time, the thing that people need to realize is offices can say you're now coming back to work people's comfort level with that is not necessarily going to snap right back no nothing's going to snap right back all this talk of things just snap like you said snapping right back yep it's ludicrous (laughs) honestly that's just all i can say about it (laughs) i agree so, so re-engage is mm-hmm. how do you start pushing out your boundaries when you're ready for a bigger life? Start mm. pushing out your boundaries and taking it back for yourself. I don't even know your three steps yet, but that's, this is the whole reason this podcast for me. I was a business coach a little, year, a little over a year ago and just went, nope, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yep. So this is my... So you're going to love the next step. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. I'm excited. <laughs> So the next step is reinvent. 
after a loss, after grieving any loss, we are not the same person. You actually can't go back because what happens with loss, what happens with grief is it reframes our priorities. 100%. Yeah. And what you may find is that the path you were on is no longer the right one. So reinvent is a lot about experimentation, trying things, questioning things. Do I like this activity still? Do I like this kind of work still? Do I like these relationships still? Mm -hmm. And really pruning out those things as much as possible that are toxic, that we go along with when we're going along. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not as easy to just go along, especially once you know you've been faced with the realization just bam right in your face how short life is and you've, you've gone through hell and come out of it. You're like, I don't have time for that stuff anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's a real impatience. Mm-hmm. There's a real impatience that comes with this. And I've heard this over and over and over again. It, it's, I am not going to put up with the stuff that I was willing to put up with before because life is short and life needs to be lived fully. And that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So you reinvent. Tell me what was your step two, your reinvention step two. So reinvent, um, the biggest piece of reinvent, it it was a lot of experimenting. So my Mm -hmm. husband liked tennis. I don't like tennis as much. He didn't like open mic singing as much. I took that back because I'd reduced the amount of time that I did that. Mm-hmm. So those things that brought me joy, I, I checked in on again and yeah. took some of them back. Those things he liked more than I did, I let them go. I do still have 17 tennis rackets, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't completely let it go. (laughs) Well, they're my husband's. They're my husband's. So that's another story. Okay. (laughs) That's my, my, my level of, of, of things Mm -hmm. with 800 of his paintings in the apartment is, is beyond most people's level of, stuff to deal with yeah but you only have a, you'll we have limited bandwidth <laughs> you can't right. take on the, the the art and the tennis rackets <laughs> exactly exactly the biggest place i reinvented was in the area of love so i got on i got on this dating app and i started swiping right and left and i didn't know who I liked, what kind of person I liked. The last time I had dated was 1992, and it was 2018. (laughs) Times have changed. changed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Definitely changed. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I ran my Bumble profile like a marketing campaign. I did my best to describe myself as clearly as I could. So people who didn't like what I liked would deselect themselves. I don't like sandy beaches. So I wrote in my profile, prefer rocky beaches to sandy ones. If they like the Jersey Shore, if they love Florida, not my person. Mm -hmm. Doing that, and, and then I would see what results I got. What kind of men came in to this profile? And mm-hmm. if I didn't like the results, I changed something. 
I changed a picture, I changed some words, I changed something. Until by the time I actually went out with anyone, I only dated great men. Nice. And I found my second true love for a lifetime in six months. Yay. That's awesome. Okay, we'll talk more about that in a minute. I want to hear about step three now. (laughs) Step three. So step three, it's very typical to lose people because people are really uncomfortable with mortality. Mm -hmm. They're really uncomfortable being around someone who's grieving because that person is too much and the grieving goes on too long. Yeah. And it's a lot. It really is. So what happens is that in the networks of support that we have, people step up, step back, and step out. Mm -hmm. And we lose really important resources. But what I discovered, because I needed so much, I needed someone to go and and exercise with, someone to go to a, a bar with, someone just to hang out and cook with me, someone, you know, so many resources were were held by my husband and he was gone. Mm-hmm. So massive levels of holes where I was not supported in my networks. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about networks in a different way because what I realized is we don't just exist in networks as for business referrals. We exist in networks in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Give some examples of that, of the networks. Yeah. So, uh, for example, if you wanted a date night with your husband and you had children, who's going to take care of the kids? If you've lost a spouse and you just need to be able to take a shower, mm-hmm. who's going to do the play date? Mm-hmm. So that's a small example. Yeah. Um, if you... Um, want to go to a networking event, but just can't go alone. Don't have that much capacity for people. So you're going to need a buffer for of a person who's easy for you. Mm-hmm. Who can just provide, you know, a little bit of protection from all the energies. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. I started looking at networks as what are the resources that I need that are missing right now. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things do I want to do that I want to do with the person? And then I extrapolated that and I went, okay, if I need someone to do this with, I could map it out and see who am I going to need in my network for a future desire and bring that person in. So if you look at the network as where are the holes, Mm -hmm. You know, reciprocal, synchronous, it doesn't work if it's not working for everybody. Yeah. Relationships. So it's not a me, me, me thing. It's a, this collaborative, I call it an ecosystem. Do you have a thriving ecosystem or not? And your thriving ecosystem includes you. So if you're not thriving, then the whole ecosystem is not thriving because you're part of it. Mm -hmm. So in the thriving ecosystem, what is required for you to thrive? In my thriving ecosystem, I had to sing to stay whole. I had to move emotions through my body Mm -hmm. to stay whole. So I did specific movement practices, and I went to open mic every Monday, even if 
35 songs were sung and I cried through 30 of them in the back. Nice. You just made yourself do it. Yep. Yeah. Because in that environment, I was, I was held. Mm-hmm. But once you identify what you need, then you can begin filling in those gaps. Yeah. And we don't do it. But with every transition, we lose people. And then we wait for someone to rise up into that spot. And they're not always the right one. So you're saying you need to go out and actively seek someone to put into that spot? Not really. Okay. Uh, once you're aware of where your gaps are, uh-huh. that awareness starts having you see people who might fill that space. Okay. So, you know, yeah. like, don't think about a red car. Yes. And then all you see is red Same cars. Same idea. Yeah. Okay. All you see is red cars. Mm-hmm. So once you're, once you're, you're thinking, gosh, I really would love someone who enjoyed doing that. They will show up. But this curation can give you a very rich environment to thrive in. Yeah. So were there some specific practices you did to pull those images and those visions and those thoughts up and to hold them? So for me, um, everything I did was born out of a breakdown. So... (laughs) You know, at the beginning, um, I walked a block and a half in my slippers, and I only realized it because my heels got cold. Mm. They felt that I had cold heels. And so after that, I put a sign up that said, keys, wallet, glasses, shoes. (laughs) It wasn't a given that I would remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed to amp up my self-care. But there were times I was so exhausted, I couldn't think up anything. Mm-hmm. So I went into one of my networks and I said, you ladies, I know you have the best self-care tips out there. Bring it. Specific, visceral, give me what you got. I wound up with a list of 100 self-care tips. Wow. Okay. So what, what, which of those 100 did you try? Museums, walks. Uh, Epsom salt baths, crystals, um, movement, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of them. But it was lovely to not have to think them up when I was tired. I think everyone needs access to a list like that. Is that something you do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I build a list. Yeah. I have a list. Okay. and, And I work with clients to build lists. Okay. Because... One of the biggest reasons people don't do Mm self-care is because they think it takes time. Yes. But if you think about, or it's expensive, Mm -hmm. that's the other reason. Yeah. If you think about a a family gets a refrigerator box delivered, the Mm -hmm. refrigerator comes out and there's the box, and you have a small child for that child... The box is a castle. The box is a cave. The box is a... Just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it's really what the, the coolest is. thing ever. Yes. You know, I mean, there can be self-care in standing. One of my favorite things is stand in a museum line mm-hmm. with children behind me and blow bubbles and watch them <laughs> react. Yeah. But it fills me up. Mm-hmm. So self-care is anything you say it is. Yeah. 
Anything that fills you up. Anything that fills you up. Yeah. Another thing I wound up doing because I didn't have energy was same kind of idea. I wrote down everything in all aspects of my life that I did. So what did I do in my business? What did I do at home? What did I do? What were my self-care practices? What were literally every single solitary little thing? Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't count on remembering. My memory had gone missing a lot of the time in spots. Mm -hmm. It was super disorienting. And I could wake up and check in with my energy and say, I can do this today. Or I can do a lot today. And then I would go very, 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 very fast. Because the next day might be different. <laughs> yeah. You took advantage of your energy of the day. And, and honored when you were feeling low energy, it sounds like. Exactly. And yeah. had a list so I didn't have to think it up. Same mm-hmm. idea as the self-care. Nice. That list. I love that idea. I've been a holistic practitioner for a long time and never thought to give, to help someone come up with a self-care list. You know, I rattle off some things, but never that list. What a beautiful idea. That is so simple and at the same time blowing my mind right now. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. (laughs) So so you've given me the three, you've, you've let me in on the three-step process, which I just think is amazing and so helpful. You kept on coming back to us right now, coming out of this pandemic time. Um, and we're still in it, just a different stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is so relatable. The, you know, the grief you went through is, is a different kind, but it's still grief. And you, we're still reinventing ourselves like you had to. We don't have a ton of time. I feel like we could just keep going on that three-step process, but I want to know a little bit more because I love love, and I met my husband on eHarmony, and um, um, yeah, and so so you you hacked Bumble as you I said, hacked you Bumble, it, and you met your man um, in six months. I just want to know. Tell me a little bit about your relationship and him. Yeah, I. Um he was immensely patient because I, I couldn't be touched. An arm around my waist felt wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically said, I want my next epic love affair. Beautiful. And that was my screen. That was my filter. Uh-huh. Like a, a baleen whale with krill. Next epic love affair. Who is it? Um, I wound up having two dates on July 1st. 2018 okay because I already had one with this one guy and that same day I answered this man Wayne who's my boyfriend Mm -hmm. and I said well you know it's really hot day so I'm going to this movie or that movie and why don't we get together sometime someday and he wrote back and he said let's go to one of the two movies I mentioned and have someday be today oh Perfect. And I thought, oh, (laughs) okay. Go Wayne. (laughs) Go Wayne. I mean, he is amazing. And so I was very confusing. I mean, I was really a hot mess. (laughs) I I couldn't be touched. I freaked out if he tried to kiss me. 
for a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. And yet we kept going out and I would do things like, you may not want to see me till January. And then I called him up the next day and invited him to go to MoMA and meet my mom. So, so I was not giving clear signals by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and you were still going through your healing journey. And I just want to, yeah. I just want to stop right now and say like, for a lot of people listening, you can start a healthy relationship in the midst of still going through your healing journey. We're never actually fully healed. We're always healing. So yes, get it. And you did. <laughs> yeah. And he was patient and he was amazing. Crazy. And the thing that, <laughs> the thing that made it work was um, clear communication. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't trust my own body chemistry, I literally had a, a feeling of revulsion. Don't touch me. Get away from me. Because my skin was only accustomed to this one man's skin for 25 years. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't trust my own chemistry. And so whenever I had a reaction that seemed strange, mm-hmm. I had to ask myself, is it me, is it him, or is it us? And then I knew what to do next. Wow. That is awesome. So Great it was question. Christmas, mm-hmm. and we had not been intimate, and we both had decided that we wanted to move in together. So we had to get over this hurdle mm-hmm. that I was so scared of. Yeah, rightly so. So scared of. Mm-hmm. I had heard that as a widow, first person after, lots of tears. I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to cry and then it'll all be fine. <laughs> nope. But anyway, we decided to go away for the weekend to Terrytown. Okay. Terrytown is close to where my mom lives. It all, If it all went terribly wrong, I could run. <laughs> Gave yourself an easy, easy out just in case. Okay. Just in case. Mm -hmm. And um, the only deal that we made was one room, one bed. Nice. And no other promises. Yeah. And I brought Old Navy red and white spotted pajamas. And I brought two negligees. And I hoped that I could move through to actually take off old navy pajamas <laughs> by the end of the weekend uh-huh and did you and it worked out yeah <laughs> yay it worked out but it literally was push up against my boundaries to the point of freaking out mm-hmm. stop wherever we were go for a mm-hmm. walk go get a meal stop and then come back and keep pressing through it's yeah. one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life and worth it Sounds like it. Yeah. And so that was in January of 2019? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's been a couple years now. So it was worth it. Yes. It was worth it. (laughs) And you guys like some of the similar things, it sounds like? Is he into open mic? He he goes to bed earlier than I do, so he doesn't stay out for open mic. But he just backs me to the hilt. Nice. He is delighted to have me be fully myself. Yes. Wonderful. And that's a joy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And he's also immensely smart, but smart in a way that we're, we're smart in different ways mm-hmm. because I can't, I'm a very odd person. <laughs> just out in yourself. Okay. I call I myself it. bad widow. Let's just start uh-huh. there. <laughs> yep. uh-huh. <laughs> so you're an odd person. And yeah. so someone who couldn't deal with that would not do well for the long yeah. term. Yeah. So wonderful, Alison. Oh, I love it. I, I have a couple more big questions I want to ask you. Um, awesome. You call yourself a resilience consultant for other people that are suffering loss. And obviously you are. I I understand what that means, I think, at this point. But I'd like you to tell my listeners what it is that you do help other people. Besides the three-step program, is there more to it? Well, basically what I do is I help people um, take back their lives. So after a loss, we're, we're thrown off. Mm-hmm. Life knocks us sideways. And honestly, it knocks us sideways on a regular basis in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And we don't have much training in how to grieve those losses and take back our lives. It starts with going from broken to saying, I am innately resilient. Yes. And yeah. I may not know how to get from there to here. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Like I show them the way back through. Nice. I've you done help. it. I've taken clients through it. Nice. So you help people recognize and bring up that in, innate resilience. Like you said, it yep. is something we all have, you know, yep. people say so-and-so is so resilient. I mean, I've been, you're such a resilient person, but you just said it like it's all, we all are. It's, it's in within all of us. And you just help people see it. But it's not external. It's not bounce back. Mm-hmm. It's uh, go inside. Yes. And remember, after a loss, we forget who we are. Yeah. And so it's how do you remember? How do you come back to remembering to tap into that resilient self that you are? And honestly, when you're lost in that place, it's great to have someone who knows the way through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. As someone myself, I've lost lots of loved ones. And um, Me too. it would have really helped. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, over time, I've finally, I think, learned some things. But, you know, during that first big one would have been real helpful to have a Dallas and a resilient consultant. Um, <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Okay, so you also are an, are writing a book, or you? it's getting ready to come out. It's going to be out in September. Is this your first book? It is my first book, okay. and it's called The Bad Widow Guide to Life After Loss, Moving Through Grief to Live and Love Again. And so yep. are you going to mention in that book the three steps and then just everything else? <laughs> So it's it's interesting because it's a book that's about how I help clients. But mm-hmm. most of all, it's a book of stories because I think it's really important that people understand that they are seen and known and honored as they are mm-hmm. when going through this process. So I tell really honestly 
the stories of how I moved through it myself. And then I share, you know, re-engage, reinvent, and rebuild strategies as a part of that. But it's led by, here's an example. Yeah. <laughs> this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is so important. It is important to, to cling on to people and their experiences when they are similar to yours. And that's the purpose of this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with me. Um, I love your, I wanted to also mention that you said your philosophy is leap and the net will appear. And I was going to ask you why that is your philosophy, but you've explained it. And I think (laughs) that it's a great one. It is. And, um, and so true. Anything else that you want to add before we say goodbye for anyone listening that is currently, which we, we've already talked about, we all are going through the grieving process right now. Any last words of wisdom? I would say trust yourself. Check in with yourself for what you need next. Because very often we try to solve these things just with your head. And grief occurs in your entire body. Yeah. It's not something you can think your way through. And so what is necessary right now? Read a book, take a walk, call a friend, and trust yourself. Because in the face of grief, people will tell you how you should feel and what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's your life. Yeah. Perfect. And how can people connect with you online? Badwidow.com. Oh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the name as odd as it is. And I think I now love you too. So Allison, <laughs> I really, really appreciate you being here. Um, you've helped me in this conversation. And I think you're going to help some other people just open her eyes a little bit wider and, and, and dig in a little deeper. So thank Fabulous. you so much. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet, and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection, and follow me on Instagram at thedragonflymama.com so we can stay in touch between episodes. Take care. Take care.